The following podcast may contain adult language and conversations revolving around situations not suitable for immature audiences. Spoilers and general political incorrectness can often be expected, so listener discretion is advised. They must be destroyed on sight! we're back and we're at episode 86 of they must be destroyed on site and i'm your host lee russell i'm joined by my co-host paul lord of the flame ramali how you doing sir hello hello it is not midnight <laughs> but we're gonna do the best we can that's all right the, they didn't do a lot of stuff at midnight in that movie actually even though they they made a big deal of it but you know mm-hmm. well, um, what can you do yeah uh, but we're we're going to be talking about two movies that uh, we've been wanting to do now since uh, October. Scheduling and weird shit just sort of got in the way, but uh, we're finally going to get it done. And uh, how you been doing, Paul? Living the life, living the dream, trying not to cut my own penis off. Pretty good. Yeah. yeah. So you you went to the, uh, what's it called, the Days of the Dead? Uh... Uh, the Living Dead weekend in uh, Evans City, Pennsylvania, where they shot uh, scenes from Night of the Living Dead in the graveyard. Right. And uh, scenes from the other iconic movie, The Crazies. Yeah. So uh, if you just want to, you know, get right into it and start talking about what you sort of got up to during that, that'd be, uh, that'd be awesome. Well, it's a, it was a very nice event. Uh, a lot of, of course, a lot of vendors, things like that. Uh, there was the screening of Night of the Living Dead uh, with live commentary from the people of the film at the time, which was always fun. For me personally, it would, the, the, the star of the whole thing was actually meeting the stars. I got a chance to get down there. Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Night of the Living Dead, you kind of want to pop them in the same tent, of course. Yeah. Um, and for this uh, particular episode, I'd like to focus on the fact that I did get a chance to meet John Russo, the yeah. uh, writer and director of Midnight, the film that we'll be doing tonight, and um, Cornucopia of other different things. But I did get a chance to meet with him, speak with him about the film a little bit. Apparently, the film Midnight, the van used was his brother's that he stole. Uh, (laughs) Another thing that was another stolen item in the film was the shopping cart used for the scene where they were shopping in the store. The store didn't actually have shopping carts, so he found the, the closest store with the shopping cart and stole the damn thing. Well, that was but that was a he, that was a small store. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they would put their shopping carts. He was nice enough to return the shopping cart after the scene. So uh, that that's that's nice. Actually, yeah. there was two shopping carts he stole because he was dollying in one of the shopping carts for the filming. <laughs> yes, and uh, so that was nice. And the three locations he told me he was shooting at with that film was Blairsville, Pennsylvania, Clareton, Pennsylvania. And Bethel Hill, Pennsylvania. Bethel Hill is a little bit of a grown-up area, but it has a lot of wilderness around it, much like mm-hmm. other places in Pennsylvania. So most of the backwoods and um, the ch- the car chase with the the police and stuff like that, and the burning scenes, whatnot, etc., was in in Bethel Hill. Right on. I got I got to meet some of the stars of the film: Russ Steiner, Mr. Craig, the uh, um, iconic announcer, the dead are returning to life and committing acts of murder. I got a chance to meet some of the zombies that were in parts of the film that are not credited, not credited, but not really well known. Um, The the zombie in in almost like the sleeping robe, the the girl in the sleeping robe, she was 16, 17 at the time. 
And actually, it was the funny thing is if you, you can actually see her in two parts of the film, which I didn't even know at the time. If you look at uh, behind Mr. Craig and stuff like that, they were doing the, the reports. There's a woman with a beehive, but that's her, too. <laughs> she actually worked as a receptionist in the in the uh, recording studio. And they uh-huh. made the recording studio where they shot that look like a film, like a like a news booth. And that's yeah, cool. basically that that's the latent image recording studio. Mm. Where they actually shot that, they just made it look like a news booth. Things like that. It was really fun. Um, and of course, the late great George Casana. I got a chance to meet yeah. him. He, his role in that film, to me, for the iconic backwood sheriff, to me, fits perfectly to a T to this day. Yeah, they're <laughs> yeah they're dead. They're all messed. Up. <laughs> I, that is actually the phrase that I had him write down on my autograph photo. Is, yeah, <laughs> nice. They're dead. They're all messed up, the sheriff, George Casana. So I'm very, very happy to get a chance to meet him finally. Yeah, it's cool because uh, one of the podcasts that I like, uh, Corey from Slaughter Film actually went down to that this year as well. And he actually also got to uh, got to meet him uh, before he passed away. So yeah, so yeah that's, that's really cool. All right, one of the things, that, uh, going back to the Dawn of the Dead episode that I personally didn't know, was I got a chance to meet Sharon. Well, actually, I'll go back to Don, uh, Dead, Night of the Dead, if I may, really mm-hmm. quickly. I actually didn't know that that Kara, which which plays um, the small girl in the basement, Mr. and Mrs. Cooper's daughter, is actually a Carl's uh, Carl Hardman's, which is Mr. Cooper's, actual daughter. Oh, really? Yes. Uh, the uh, Carl Hardman is – his uh, stage name is Carl Hardman. His full name is Carl Hardman Schoen which is German for beautiful, but uh, mm-hmm. which Carl was totally a beautiful man. Uh, but I will <laughs> tell you that Kara, uh, Kara Schoen, is Carl Hoffman Schoen's daughter. So that's how they, he got, she got the role for that film. And I, I remember that. And the original screenplay was a boy named Jimmy that was supposed to be in the basement. Oh, okay. But they changed it, and, uh, and Carrie or Kari or something like that, changed, they're changing the name. To, I can't think of it off the top of my head, and I am a dork, but for some reason I'm a sick, half-drunk dork. So it's oh. not coming to me. Hey, but yeah, yeah, they they had to change a lot of things in that film, though. I mean, uh, at the last minute, they had to uh, get uh, Dwayne Jones to to play the part of what was written to be a uh, a white guy. Yeah, actually, their their friend Rudy Ritchie was actually the the first named uh, person they were going to have in that role, and they had a big screening of actors, and and actually, the funny thing is, Dwayne Jones happened to be the best actor they could find. Yeah, go figure. And and Rudy Ritchie, as we all know from the Dawn of the Dead film, you'll notice him as the guy on the radio from the giant squad of of uh, of bikers. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Hey, uh, hey, uh, there's only uh, there's only three of us. Yeah, there's only you three of us. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, guys! Quiet down. Shut up. Oh, you you fucked up real bad. <laughs> you fucked up real. We don't like guys that don't share. You just fucked up real bad. That's yeah. Rudy Ritchie. That was going to be the original Ben in Night of the Living Dead. If anyone wow. wants to know, there you go. So I'm uh, very happy about that. And going to the Night of uh, Dawn of the Dead, I will like to, to mention about Sharon. And she was the nurse zombie in Night of the Living Dead. She was a very okay. wonderful woman. I'm glad I talked to her. And her husband was, and you can't tell this because of their stage names, because of the, uh, unfortunately, the, the unions. They have their names under uh, different names. Uh, but uh, the, the zombie, the lead zombie quoted in the film that you see in the, in the sweatshirt, the sweater mm-hmm. up the elevator and stuff that you see all the time, right. that, was, that was actually her husband. 
Okay. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and sadly, he passed away, but I got a chance to have a beautiful picture of both of them as zombies together in the film, and I had her sign it for me from both of them. Yeah, cool. So that was be- very nice, very nice. And actually, one of the nicest people I met was Jim Crunt, and he was the zombie that got his head taken off in the helicopter. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the top of his head, in the hel- and he was very nice. He explained everything uh, thoroughly. He had pictures, diagrams, the whole deal. I mean, we get it by now, but he yeah. did a very excellent job explaining it. And he mentioned, well, if you see me, uh, he lives in, in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania, or south, you know, whatever, southeastern Pennsylvania, in a certain town that is famous for the Civil War. We'll just say that. He said, if you see me down there, get a hold of me and I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, well, shit. And I'm, well, I I'm gonna hold him to that. I'm gonna hold. Well, him to as it. long as as long as you two don't get drunk at some fucking helicopter port somewhere in the fucking. I booties. will totally take both of our heads off. <laughs> yeah, that, that that could be a problem. <laughs> hey, let's we, just stand on this. these crates and hey, why don't you turn on that helicopter? Uh, and I watch the film to this day and don't understand proper animation. Apparently, I still don't get it because I watched the film. And they say they animated the blades of the helicopter. In. I'm like, how did you do that? And I, I still don't. Have, I think they must have superimposed. They must have superimposed the animation, and I just it just looks so seamless and flawless that I just don't get it. Right, right. It's so believable. It's movie magic. Yeah, it's believable to the point that uh, the guy's head is built like Frankenstein monster's head. You know, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. <laughs> still. Well, that's the funny thing. It, 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 and he was said it, it was it, it was domed. It was domed accordingly. Mm-hmm. But it took so t- so much time for them to get all the hoses and all the blood. And this over time, it slowly flattened. Like yes, was it like a like a quiche? Like if you're too loud, the quiche falls. Yeah. Well, his fucking head <laughs> fell, and that's exactly what happened with that, which is funny. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's like he shows up and it's like, holy fuck, that dude's head is flat and yeah, where's wow, his, really where's tall. his, where's his, yeah, where's his little makeshift outfit with a with a sewn together sleeves and the fucking high heel boots? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the fucking Herman Munster coming here. Yeah, really. Uh, but but I'll tell you what, what a, what a great thing. Uh, right now, actually, that area in in Pennsylvania, the Monroeville Airport, which you can still visit apparently to this day, most of the buildings are gone. Mm-hmm. The main building where um, where Ken Forhey uh, shot uh, Tom Savini's uh, niece and nephew, yeah, which Ken Forhey did not like that sh- that shoot, by the way, yeah. Um, you can still go to that building. Apparently, a local uh, group of, of airplane enthusiasts, we'll call that. We're not going to try to say they're the 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 uh, YMCA guys, but they're airplane enthusiasts. And uh, they go there and they have a monthly meeting. So you can still go there, but yeah. it's up for sale, sadly. So who knows? I'm thinking a gas company is probably going to buy that land because it's such a vast area of land. Right. You know, I, I would totally freak out if I went there and that fucking coffee machine was still there. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, if you had the same vending machines, my tiny penis would be erect yep. like a large toothpick. I would destroy that coffee machine. It, it would be broken. Oh, yeah. In one you fell swoop. And the thing is, if you smacked the side and it made a coffee cup come out, you know how happy you would be? Because <laughs> yeah. I'd be, I'd be ecstatic. I would just be ecstatic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's basically what's going on in that in that area. And um, I think you already know you've you've seen the uh, special features and whatnot. The the guy that made Dawn of the Dead. The I- iconic film that it is, as far as uh, film posters and advertisements go, 
he was in that scene in the Monroeville um, airport in that okay. in that building. He got he got shot by uh, well actually he got shot by Flyboy uh, very poorly, and then <laughs> also gets taken out by Roger. Oh, so, so he, he was, was a, he he was a guy in a band that just happened to be near there right. while they were shooting, and he wandered in. Tom Zal- Salvini slapped this makeup on him, and he became the star of the show. Yeah, and his death is one of the, like kind of the famous one of the famous kind of. Con- continuity flukes as well where he gets shot a certain way and then you don't see the fucking wound in his head when he drops down right it just boop there he is yeah what happened (laughs) uh it's it's nice because actually you know and 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 even this dawn of the dead i know we're not talking about the film at this point in time but uh it has i mean it shows you that that the best way to make a film even today is get your family and friends Mm mm-hmm uh, one of the men, uh, one of the zombies that gets a uh, sledge to the head in the same films they were shooting the Monroeville Mall scenes was actually one of the guy's dad. Yeah. He just yeah. happened to have a perfect bald spot where they could put <laughs> mortician's whack and stuff and just, and like, how cool is this that your dad, like, and this is the 70s, man. This is like 10 or 15 years for, like, after where everyone wore a suit, no matter what. Yeah. So it was very interesting to see these parents like jumping into this. Yeah, I'll do this. You know, no problem. I'll be here. I'll do this. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Like you don't really see that in filmmaking anymore. Like there's a there was a real you, you get the sense that there was a real community in in sort of low budget filmmaking in the local area and just mm-hmm. involving the the population of the local area. You know, you hear all the stories of just how many people showed up to be a zombie extra and all the different. Right. And actually, um, I want to say James, his first name is James, but I'm probably getting this wrong. But O'Harris is the last name. And he was actually a Steelers football player. Mm -hmm. And he was in Dawn of the Dead. He came out. He's like, oh, I'm out. I'm here. Like uh, O'Harris was in Dawn of the Dead. Like everybody came out. People from all walks of life came out to be a zombie in Dawn of the Dead. And I still talked to certain people that were in. I knew they were alive at the time. Like, oh, yeah, I remember hearing that. I remember hearing this. They were sitting on the radio that people wanted. They were doing this. Like, I remember hearing about that. I wasn't in it, but I remember hearing it. I'm like, wow, this thing, like, swept across Pennsylvania. And it's just the coolest thing to me. If if I was to go to one of those conventions, those are the people I'd be looking for. I wouldn't be looking for, like, some uh, pretty boy douchebag from fucking – uh, the walking dead or some bullshit that have been like kind of the big things in conventions these days, horror conventions and all that shit. It's like, fuck that. Why do I want to see that? Yeah. I want to see fucking the nun zombie. I want to see the fucking elevator zombie. I want to see the, the Harry Krishna zombie. I don't want to see fucking bullshit redneck motherfucker who shoots arrows in the zombies heads from walking dead. Fuck that shit. I don't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I sure I'd have sex with Daryl, but I don't want to meet him. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, more like yeah. you know, like just like like come up from behind and just take me. Don't don't talk to me. And I mean, that if I did talk, if I did talk to him, I'd be talking to him about fucking uh, cigarette burns, John Carpenter's cigarette burns, because he was in that. Okay, yeah, I'd so. ask, I'd, I'd ask him to tell me if I have a pretty mouth or not. <laughs> but you know, that's here nor there. I mean, you know, everybody has their own fetish. But my thing is, uh, I I love, like for instance, uh, I mean, this is a good point anyway. The no-namers, I call them no-namers, but Paula and, and whatever, Betsy from uh, Night of the Living Dead. I love meeting them. Mm-hmm. I know their faces. I've seen them in the film. Like, I, I, they were there. They could tell me, how, like, yeah, it was this. Yeah, we got this. And they had, like, barbecue takeout. And it would look, like, all 
like weird bits and stuff they cooked, but then they slathered it with barbecue sauce and they just said, just chew on it. Yes. They had uh, film executives and stuff. They came out from the office just to get made up in something and chew shit. And, and these are people in the office that came out. They took their suits off. They put some ratty uh, – because basically they said, okay, if you're a zombie, you put you know, flannel on. If you put this, you put this on. You put this, you put this on. So they put this – and they're like, oh, George. Uh, uh, like he's chewing on this <laughs> while they're filming him. Oh, George. Uh, the, uh, the, the books came out. Uh, yeah, you're going to make the film. Uh, like, <laughs> like, like between chewing and these guys filming them, they're like, oh, yeah, you know. You got this. I mean, this this worked out good. The, the numbers look good. It's like that's yeah. amazing. You don't have that anymore. That's no, not no. Possible. And and I gotta say, you gotta give like George Romero credit, where he's like, "Hey, just eat barbecue that kind of looks like guts," instead of like an Italian filmmaker like Fulci who's like, "Here are some sheep guts. Eat these." It's like, "Fuck chew you." Chew the guts, or you're fired. Yeah, you're, you're not paying me anyway, bitch. Well, chew yeah, anyway. Exactly. Exactly. Jesus. Choke on him! Choke on him! Amazing. See, we could talk about random things from Night of Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead for a whole episode. Yeah. But you got to meet uh, John Russo, and you got John to... John Russo. And you got to buy a lot of great swag, so... Uh, I did. So I'll let you talk about that as well before we get into our films. Well, John Russo was a, was a very nice man. He's a really... I mean, uh, as, a, as a person I am, I'm very antisocial. I'm very standoffish. John mm-hmm. Russo, at first, I was nervous. He talked a little bit. He's a very standoffish person in his own right, too. Talked a little bit about this. Told him how much I love Midnight. One of my favorite films. And I told him about the, like, and he agreed, too. He's like, I love, I said, I love the just, like, the savage rawness of the way you filmed it. He's like, no, oh, so do I. And he said, there's only three people on the set filming at one time. That's it. Hmm. It was filmed by three people. One was focusing on sound. One was the camera guy. And the other one was John. And that's it. Boom, boom, boom. Rush, rush, rush. So we kept talking about Midnight. Of course, I had some swag. I had a couple different posters. He, he was supposed to do this. 20 bucks, the whole deal. Well, he pulled out this poster. Beautifully drawn poster. Very limited poster. To a certain extent, I said, I got to have it because I'm, I'm a poster collector. I actually gave him a German press book of Night of the Living Dead. He goes, I've never seen one of these. Right on. <laughs> I said, well, there you go, brother. There it is. He signed it for me. Sadly, John Amplis was there. I never got a chance to meet him. I don't know mm-hmm. why we never ran in. We never ran in. However, he pulled out this beautifully drawn thing about more with more Trini and everything, the band blowing up, all this kind of crap. He signed it for me. He said, hi. He said, how much for the poster? Because obviously it was like a $30 or $40 poster. 20 bucks. That's Sweet. with the autograph. You know I mean? Oh, thank you. You know, I mean? Thank you very much. He talked to me a little bit. And we're going to go back to the little things. I mentioned it before in the, in the beginning of the podcast. Stolen fucking uh, shopping cart chaos. Dirty, I'm sure, cum-covered fucking swag-carpeted fucking fuck band from his brother. Because <laughs> you saw the shag, baby. You saw yeah. it. You know it's dangling with fucking female juice. Beautiful stuff. But if you look around when this film is being made, you just, it screams Pennsylvania. It does. Mm-hmm. Dirty, backhole, country, half coal, half Lumbertown, Pennsylvania. It does. It's beautiful. Two things I will say uh, negative to the film. The first thing is, this is not a negative to the film, but it's just the negative that made the film what it is. 
John Hall, which is John, um, it's Hank and Tom, which mm-hmm. I think Hank, um, if in my retrospective, Hank is is sexually attracted to Tom, but won't say anything about it. Yeah, you I'm, know, I'm, this is I'm supposed to be mine and Tom's special weekend. That kind of like, I was like, you just want to take that big black thing and just jam it in them, don't you? <laughs> Either that or the other way around. You just want to roll in that van and just, uh, yeah, totally, just totally want to fuck each other yeah that's one thing the other thing is though when you say you have been hitchhiking from pennsylvania and you've been stealing groceries the whole way and you're fucking your dad is from pittsburgh how fucking far did you go before you stole groceries pittsburgh (laughs) is like an hour away from fucking west virginia like literally (laughs) and why are you in lewisburg lewisburg is so fucking northeast of pennsylvania why in the hell would you it's like for instance if you are in for for viewers that are in niagara falls for instance Mm -hmm. well i want to go to new york so i'm going to go to windsor fucking uh canada then go over to detroit then go to new york (laughs) <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. You go from Pittsburgh straight down into Morgantown, straight down 15, all the way to almost, you know, Florida. You don't, you don't go from Pittsburgh, the opposite fucking direction, all the way up to Lewisburg, pick up some fucking gangly bitch that reminds me of fucking Stretch from Chainsaw Technology yeah. 2. Yeah. Thank you. And go all the way back down where the fuck it came from. Okay, that doesn't happen. Learn your geography, John A. Russo. You're from the fucking Commonwealth. (laughs) And it's not a state. It's a fucking Commonwealth. All right? (laughs) I'm so angry I could fuck someone with my penis. And that's pretty (laughs) angry. You know? And, and like, it's those little things that local guys can pick out. Right. You know what I'm saying? But... I will say, as much as I was angry that he was in this film, because guess what? New York cop does not fit well in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maura Trini is like, oh my, you're so like mafia New York cop. That oh, uh, why would Lawrence Turney you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, Lawrence Turney. Like, why would you pick him for this film? Lawrence Tierney is just like so mafia slash New York cop. Like, yeah. he doesn't fit in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Have you ever been to Lewisburg, Pennsylvania? Guess what? It looks nothing like where they picked her up. Yeah. It's, like, well, it's like... Well, shit, actually, I'll just stop you right there. Like, I mean, since you're saying so much about it, let's just get right into fucking Midnight, and, and, we'll, and we'll just full-on fucking review it. So, so we're talking Midnight, Backwoods Massacre, as it's also known, 1982. Tom is 19, Nancy 17, and Hank 21. They had a good time for a while, but now they're missing. It all started as innocent fun. The van, the drinking, the turn-ons, until they crossed the county line. They crossed the line into a lonely community where anything can happen, where anyone can disappear without a trace. And now from the pages of John Russo's best-selling novel, the story becomes a motion picture. Midnight. I thought I saw shoes sticking out from under that blanket. Nah, he was just a big farmer with a bundle. 
Your mind's playing tricks on you, girl. You're all shook up. As soon as we find a good campsite, we'll smoke some of this good hash and loosen you up. Hold it there, fellas. Don't you make any foolish moves. Keep your hands visible. You reach for anything inside that bag, and I won't wait to see what you're reaching for. I'll just shoot. Maybe we'll uh, drag them out in the woods one at a time. Question them separately. Good idea. She might be right in front of you. There's been a half a dozen people found dead around here just in the past couple of years since I came here to preach. Some look like accidents, some obviously murdered. It's all right, man. Get out of here. Take your boy along. I'm looking on you, black woman. Which one of you owns this van? I do. Okay, take your six pack, get in the van, get out of town, now. You heard the man? Come move on, it. let's go. Let's go. go. We don't need your kind around don't here. Need you. Hank, move it. your white trash. Let's go. They should have known better when they came into town. Every sign pointed to what could happen there. Every indication told them to leave now. The wise guys in the bar, the preacher's warning, and the sheriff who made hate a way of life. Go, get out of town. We don't want your kind here. But they stayed. They stayed, and it became too late to leave. Too late as the clock approached midnight. Midnight. Now the book from the co-author of Night of the Living Dead comes to life on the screen. Don't miss John Russo's Midnight. Johnny Russo directed and written it based on the book that he wrote. And we have uh, Melanie Verlin as Nancy Johnson. Lawrence Tierney as Burt Johnson. John Amplis as Abraham. John Hall as Tom. Charles Jackson as Hank. And Doris Hackney as Harriet Johnson. And uh, tell me, what, what, what do you think of this film, like, overall? Overall, I'm absolutely, fantastically, fetishly almost in love with this film. <laughs> I love this film. I just think this film, to me, is so... And I, I coined a new word that almost sounds prof, like obscene. My pianist. <laughs> this, this, my pianist is fully erect. I, I hear what film. you're saying. Pianist. Yes. In my pen- Pennsylvania-ness. Ness, yes. My pianist is totally <laughs> fully erect in this film. <laughs> I mean, it, it has it has everything I want in this film except someone frying up Scrapple. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if there was a fucking bar scene where someone was frying up Scrapple, I would be done. 
but the thing is, the way the film is shot and the way it is so raw, so gritty, so true, so in your face, if I just believe in my own way, if films like Texas Chainsaw weren't around, if films like Eaten Alive weren't around, if films like, I mean, even Night of Living Dead weren't around, those kind of films, this one would actually stand out as a cult classic, but it got foreshadowed by the things that came before it. Mm-hmm. I do got to say, like, I do, like, really appreciate the kind of atmosphere and the kind of visuals of the countryside in this. Pennsylvania isn't too far removed from Maine as far as how it looks. And right. Maine is pretty much exactly the same as, as where I live, like Nova Scotia. Pretty much the exact same kind of the rural look to it. Same same sort of fauna and uh, flora, if, if you want to go, you know, all scientific about it. Um, flora and fauna. Yeah, and uh, so, yeah, I'm watching, and I'm like, you know, I, I really do dig how this looks. Like, it looks very authentic. It looks like something I know, I recognize, and there is a really good atmosphere built in this film. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it's kind of a creepy, kind of rural, kind of isolated kind of feel to it. And then, of course, it's all this uh, uh, rednecky, like, man, like, serious fucking rednecks in this film. Like, mm-hmm. they see they see the two uh, guys in the van, and the, even one of the cops is, get this black boy out of our town right now, basically. Yeah, no, and, and I will say this. I um, There's a couple things about this and that, that they never said they were out of Pennsylvania, okay? Mm-hmm. At any point in time, even though they try to say, well, my, you know, we've been hitchhiking since we left Pennsylvania. You're still in Pennsylvania, asshole. You were just in Lewisburg. Like, <laughs> I know where Pennsylvania is and where towns are, asshole. From Lewisburg, it's a two-and-a-half-hour trip just to get out of Pennsylvania. And you were in Pittsburgh? What the fuck? Anyway, I mean, there's a lot of things I could bitch about this film. But the thing is, I tell you 100%, yes, there's lots of fucking racist pieces of shit in Pennsylvania. I might be one of them, but I'm not sure. I will <laughs> tell you, there is not one place I've ever been in in my life in Pennsylvania where people acted like that. Yeah, it's pretty over the top, isn't it? Like, they go to that bar to pick up a six-pack of beer, and everyone in that bar is, you get out of here, man. You get out of here with that black boy. We don't boy. serve people like that, boy. We're watching you. We're watching you, black boy. I got your boy right here, honky. And you I'm know what the kind you. of the disturbing thing is? It's like, you know, those are all just locals that were extras. Yes, it was. Yeah. And I will actually tell you a thing that explains that scene mm-hmm. that you don't know. Ooh, I'm excited. Oh, anyway. Mystery. Yeah, mystery. Myst- I was like, I was going to say, are we going to sing a Hugh Laurie song? Mystery. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, right now, here's the funny thing about Midnight. Midnight had to get rewritten right before they shot it because John Hall fell through a a stage scene in the Pittsburgh theater and broke his leg. Oh, really? But they really wanted to use John Hall because like they were friends and he's a good actor and he actually is a good actor. I think he is. Mm -hmm. But the problem is he broke his leg. So they had to reshoot the bar scene because there was supposed to be an epic fight scene in the bar. Oh Yeah. And they had to reshoot the uh, cop scene where they found him in the field because they were supposed to run through the woods away from the police for a while to build to build suspense. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he did do a lot of running, that's for sure. <laughs> so unfortunately, John Hall broke his leg, and so basically, it was get up all those bed uh, those bed rolls, and boom, you're dead. Yeah, and because yeah. of this, it was take your PBR and get the hell out of here. Right on. And John Hall, I will credit him to two films. 
sorry, John, if you're in more films, but that's all I know. He's he plays very a, a very piece of shit, beautiful piece of shit in Dark uh, Dark Craving, also known as Heartstopper. Okay. From uh, another John Russo film, so definitely check that out. And as far as I know, you never see his face, but you see his arm, and you get to hear his voice in "Surf Nazis Must Die." Oh, really? <laughs> he is the he plays the coroner in that oh, film. Sweet. Yes. So you so you get and then of course Black Grandma goes crazy, but you get <laughs> yeah. to see you get to see hear his voice. You get to see his arm, and I'd love absolutely love john you'll never listen to this i just want to have sex with you now i would love <laughs> to get an autograph from john hall i would love it sweet and i i should just uh for for people listening i'll just give you the uh imdb synopsis for this film by the way just in case you're like totally confused about what the fuck we're talking about right now because you've never seen there's, it there's a thing called midnight and there's people that die in it because of midnight yeah, a teenage girl runs away from her home because police officer slash stepfather puts the moves on her. Hitchhiking mm. to California, she's picked up by two guys who are also traveling cross-country. doesn't say in this one, but because they are robbing grocery stores and shit. Uh, along the way, they decide to camp out in the woods and run across a family of Satanists who keep their dead mother in the attic. That's a pretty apt description, I think, of the film. Yes, I, I mean, that is true, yep. And I have to say, Robin Welsh is hot. She is. I totally yes. agree. The end. Goodbye. Good. It is a very good description of the film. And I think it is a very well-played, not theme really, but difference is, okay, yeah, this guy might be the scumbag, but he's also the hero. Uh, you're talking about Lawrence Turney as the... Uh, Lawrence Turney. And I really, really think they picked exactly the right guy for the job. Well, I mean, Lawrence Turney is a, he, he was a big time actor for a while. His alcoholism got in the way of his career and kind of uh, made him available for a movie of this budget, basically. I mean, he's the John Carradine of the 80s, baby. Pretty much, pretty much. I mean, it wasn't until uh, he showed up in Reservoir Dogs that his career kind of picked up again for a while. Well, he, I mean, they, they even show his alcoholism in the film. They almost, yeah. they almost like toy with it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this. Um, th- there's definitely some funny stuff in this, like the radio hit to the head when he's trying to rape his stepdaughter. Yeah. <laughs> that is about the weakest fucking shot ever, and it knocks him stone cold and leaves a fucking mark on his head later on. Yep. <laughs> yep. I love, though, I love the... Oh, I got knocked up by a drunk trying to put him away. You got coffee for me, honey. Like, I just, oh, you're so cold. I love it. Like, yeah. it's just like, I love your playing this dumb bitch. And, and this is the classic. And this, and I will tell you what, I've never heard a Pennsylvania woman say white with an H in front of it. <laughs> the only person I've ever heard say that is a fucking Floridian called Bob Ross. <laughs> so that bitch is definitely not from Pennsylvania. <laughs> She's a fucking Floridian that has been implanted by the Russians to fake the election. Damn it. God damn it. Like 40 years before the election even happened and she was put in there. Now it's we're insidi- going to have to make America great again. It's insidious. It's insidious. So you have the uh, black preacher and his daughter. Uh, oh, I, yes. I, I, I have I, to mention that. I, I will say he's one of the worst actors I've ever seen. 
<laughs> he I is love, bad. I absolutely love him in this film. No, he's entertaining. I, I'll give him that, but he is. I bad. love the fact. Now, this is the best part of the film. Now, obviously, who's like he basically did the same thing the cop did. Like, who's Van is this? Oh, this and that. Oh, it's my friend Tom's. And he kind of like gave him the side eye, like, you're white. I'm not talking to you. Yeah. And he just kept on talking to Timothy. Like, this isn't my fucking van. And the guy's <laughs> like, I'm talking to you. I ain't talking to this fucking whitey. It's hilarious. Yeah. And you can see racism it goes both ways, motherfucker. He's like, no, oh, yeah. this isn't mine. This is my friend Tom's. And he's like, oh, fuck you, whitey. I'm, I'm going to keep talking to this black guy. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, my well, God. Well, well, Hank's kind of a racist himself because he immediately doesn't he immediately doesn't like Nancy. Like he Nancy because she's a white yeah, yeah. This girl's obviously trouble. Yeah. But I, although I, I, you, and you also mentioned the gay angle too, so it's it's both like racism and the fact that like you get off my fucking Kool Aid bitch. Basically. Yeah, that, that, I really got the get off my Kool Aid bitch vibe because <laughs> this is mine and Tom's special. I, I'm like, oh yeah, we God. going camping, bitch. You ain't going camping. Fuck off. I am telling you, they just want to make an Oreo. That's yeah. all they want to do. It's just like yeah. so fucking hilarious. I don't think you like me, do you, Hank? I've had nothing against you. I'm like bullshit. Yeah, and and I don't want to throw. No, I don't want to put nothing against you either. I want to put something against fucking Tom. Yeah, get out of my way. It was really funny because they had to play that. You know, I don't think a white girl has a right to play in the black spiritual and all this. And whites made their time and this and this. I was like, and I'm thinking as a personal. This is a personal thing for me. I'm always like, my fucking family worked on a plantation. So shut the fuck up, asshole. Because <laughs> my yeah. family literally actually did work on a fucking plantation. So fuck you. He's yeah, he's like so, white girl singing slave song. You know, I was like, yeah, <laughs> uh, no white girl has the meaning behind a black spiritual. Oh, and when he he just gets he gets, becomes an asshole when he gets stoned, you'll never yeah. know what the trouble. I was like, oh man, I love this film. Yeah, There's something about it. Hash has like the opposite effect on him. It doesn't make him any cooler. It just makes him more of a dick. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't make him fucking downtown Julie Brown. He just gets a fucking douchebag going on. It's like yeah. hilarious. A really cool part of this film that makes me think that the people who made Frailty watch this film at some point, mm-hmm. because it's got that kind of same thing of the uh, parents, like, corrupting the, the children and, and right. in a religious fashion and turning and, them into monsters. But, and the other thing is, before you say that, that is how all religion works. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yes. Yes. But, but yeah, the, actually, that's kind of a theme, and, and I'll get into it in the next movie, but that's kind of a theme that sort of prevails for both of these, is basically really bad parenting. That's it. it. (laughs) But I did like that. Like, there's some really good atmosphere in this. Like, I'm not going to say I like this as much as you did. I I do love this film, but I have no taste. Well, here's the thing. I I understand why you love this. It's it's such like a kind of a local. I I can I can see how how the sort of uh, local kind of feel of it like appeals you to you even more, and you have like more invested in it than I do. Uh, I watched it and I did enjoy it. I. My my sister just watched it. I gave it to her because she's a very, you know, cult individual and stuff like that, which doesn't make any sense. Why would I, you know, <laughs> someone related to me be all cult and metal and, you know, watching yeah. movies. And she's like, it was good. I thought it was okay. I said, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> get the fuck out of my house. There's two, there's, I, I, I actually, 
I didn't know there was two things. I thought there was one thing. If the Steelers are on, you root for the Steelers or you get booed out of the house. Well, there's two, actually. If, this, if the Steelers are on or we're talking about midnight, you get booed the fuck out of the house if you yeah. say anything against it. That's, that's, that's the new rule now because she's like, yeah, it was all right. I was like, you can just get the fuck out. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a fucking parking lot that just is waiting for you to stand in. I mean, for me personally, there there were some slow moments I that just didn't work for me too much. Like, and there was it's kind called of called artly. Okay, well, there was some silly stuff in this <laughs> that just just didn't connect with me. But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Like, it it is pretty crappy in some aspects. But one thing that I will say about uh, Midnight, because you're so sexy, I'll forgive you. Okay. And the other thing is, I love. I don't know why. And this is something that dorks like me like to do it. And I think Lee might be a dork like me. I love looking at fucking shelves in stores from the fucking <laughs> 60s, 70s, and 80s. Well, that is interesting. I absolutely, I absolutely adore looking at fucking stores in those times. I love it. It might be an unnatural fascination about having sex with my mother or something like that. But I have no idea what it is. I love looking at it. And I will talk about that in the next film. But I definitely enjoyed walking around that story at midnight, watching them shop. I just love watching the items. And, and the number one thing I always look looking at is the prices. <laughs> and, and looking at today's, I mean, this is a big political thing almost in a way. But I'm like, look. We don't make 10 times the amount of money that they did back then. Why are things 10 times the amount of money as a cost? Mm. You know, things like that. Like, but I like that. I just, I just see it so nostalgic when I watch these films that I go, ah, I wish I was 18 in 1979. Coming from that sector of, uh, of employment, I can, I can definitely say that the stores in, in, this, in this film were, were well stocked. Whoever, whoever was stocking them knew their shit. They do their shit because this guy knows what he's talking about, guys. Yeah. Just, I'm an expert. He knows what he's talking about. Thank you for letting me talk about Midnight. It's a very good film of mine. I'm thanking you for giving it its time that you mm -hmm. can talk about it too. And we are moving on now, sadly, to the next film. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just say it's actually worth watching. Um, there, there's, there's a uh, moment in this uh, with hardcore frisbee action. If, 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 if that's what you're into. Uh, oh yeah. The wor the single worst uh, frisbee player I've ever seen is is that girl that they uh, captured. She, she really does suck, but she's got some looks to her. Yeah, I think it's does. the ass. It's the yeah. ass in that dress. Yeah. It's not the face so much. It's the ass because you have to understand this. If you're looking at this, guys. Never marry a woman because of her face. Only marry it because of the ass, because there's always doggy style, and you'll always be happy. There you go. Words to live by. <laughs> I've, but, been, but, I've been married and divorced. Believe me. Go with the ass. Uh, there you go. Uh, but it's overall, it's kind of interesting. I do like the backwoods Satanist angle. I think it, that is pretty effective. I, the, the actress who plays the sister and the... Uh, the Satanist clan is actually really good. I think she's probably the best mm -hmm. actress in the film. Oh, I, I, will, I will mention something. Um, the woman who plays the preacher's daughter, mm -hmm. before I, I want to interrupt, I'm sorry about that, Lee, but mm -hmm. she was actually in Batman. Oh, really? Yes. I mean, the, there are some people in this film that actually went on to do some actually prolific films. 
So I, I am very happy to say that. And, uh, and, uh, and Hank actually went on to do his full name and he did some things as well. So, and John Hall has been a, an actor and, and a playwright in the, in the Pittsburgh theater for quite a while. And he's done certain things. And that is why also before I, I I'm sorry about uh, delineating, but um, John Amplis from the film, he yeah. is a teacher and has been a teacher for over 30 years yeah. Yeah. in the Pittsburgh area, in the play, in the theater. And that is why a lot of people wonder why he didn't keep going on to different films. And he was uh, teaching and focusing on teaching people the art of film, a theater, rather. Yeah. And, and I think and, he's done an amazing job with that. And the films that he has done, he has given, in my pers- perspective, 125% of him in every film he's ever done. Well, Martin's a classic. You, you, you can't really beat Martin. I think I like, I like Midnight more than Martin. Do you? Okay, yes. well, now we're going to like really disagree. Like that, now I'm going to kind of say you're insane, but... No, I like both, but I like I like the character he plays. I can relate to the character he plays more in Midnight than I do the guy he plays in Martin. Well, yeah, he do... is he is playful and goofy, and and like in like in Martin, he's very cold. In in, yes. in Midnight, he's very playful and goofy, and he shows more range. I'll, I'll give him that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that's it. No, but I like both. Obviously, I, I yeah. mean, if you ask me, like this is stupid. I like both. And but, what about the what about that fucking theme song? I think it's amazing, and I just looked online, and you can buy the forty-five midnights at your door forever. Oh my god! They play it every time they're they're in the van. Forevermore, and you can cuts. buy it. You can buy it right now. You can own the forty-five of this lucky hit for eighty-nine ninety-nine. Jesus Christ! Yeah, um, and I bought two of them. That, I think that's almost close to the, what the budget was for this, wasn't it? Yes. Well, yeah. eighty nine ninety eight. No, no. Actually, no. the budget the budget for this was like seventy thousand dollars. I saw somewhere where it said nine hundred thousand dollars, and it's like, what the fuck? Actually, yeah, that was wrong. Yeah. IMDb says that, and I'm like, someone fucking somebody fucked up pretty hardcore. Yeah. Because that is the. I mean, I can see that with distributing and the new new because there's like. Like if you like, I I agree with N and then IDB or whatever you say that because I'm too mm-hmm. drunk. But like if you go with the distributing, then the DVDs and there's a laser disc now. And if you go, well, I don't have the laser disc yet. But if you do the posters, there's seven different posters I think now of this. Right on. If you keep adding that up, it might get to that that volume of money. But uh, the actual <laughs> overall production was probably I think. I think he said it was like one twenty-five when they got done. Yeah, probably after promotion and all that. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think John Russo is one of the most. It's not. He's not easy to talk to because he's <laughs> like you know. Well, yeah, whatever. He's just blah, 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 blah. he's like that. But get him off topic. Oh my god, watch him shine. Mm-hmm. He talked. He and I talked about going to Italy. Rome. Uh, I talked about my time in Germany when I went to Zurich and Switzerland, and we were talking about traveling, and just man, did he open up. He was a beautiful person to talk to. I wish I could talk to him for three or four more hours if people weren't waiting to get his autograph. 
Well, that's the thing. He, he's probably so used to just answering the same fucking questions over and over again that he's probably refreshing to have someone say, hey, I went to fucking Italy, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, because yeah. I knew he was going to do a, a show soon and this, and I know he did a show. He made enough money off a show in Europe once to go to Italy. And I'm like, oh, my God, how is Italy? Because this and that. And, like, my buddy goes to Italy all the time, and I want to go. And and we just started talking about Europe and traveling and this and this. And what a joy he was to talk to. What a joy. Yes. Absolutely yeah. a joy. And I'll tell you what. Out of every fucking producer and director I've ever met, which I've met a few, I would love to keep on talking to John Russo. Cool. Absolutely. Just add the DVD info for this for anyone interested. Arrow Video in the UK released a Region Zero DVD of this in 2011. So uh, any of us over in North America can grab it as well. Yeah. And Lionsgate also has a Region One DVD that was released in 2005. So uh, those are your best options there. I will say, and you have to add this too, Midnight 2, Sex and Death on Videotape from 1993 is also on video with a 2008 release. I don't know what the um, region or quantity is, but Mm -hmm. definitely check that out because I'd love to see it and I haven't found a copy myself. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot to put that in my notes. uh... You are an unprofessional piece of shit. I know. I know. It's terrible. But, hey, what can you do? The podcast is free. That's what you you get what you pay for. (laughs) Yeah. Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts is a weekly podcast that discusses grindhouse and exploitation cinema. Your three hosts, Mike. It's a quick... (laughs) Thank you. Come again. Not racist at all. Mark, if you bend over and you have what is essentially a pubic cottontail coming out of the crack of your ass, you need to do some goddamn grooming. And listener favorite, Iris. I do not have sex with that horse. <laughs> will make you question your own political correctness while laughing at theirs. Episodes drop every Sunday and can be found by searching BB and BC Podcast via Lipson, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and iHeartRadio. You can also listen to episodes directly from the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. Most effective, Your Majesty. Will you destroy this Earth? Destroy it utterly. Send Rick and Danny in wool rocket Ajax. So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hail Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the visual screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Chud 2? Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch the movies. And talk about them. The Hellming Power Hour. Disobedience to Ming. For now.
You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself. Just Google it, you bastages. Helming. Breaking two? Electric boogaloo? Samurai cop? Army of darkness? Flash dance? <laughs> <laughs> We might destroy the planet if it's flashback. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Uh, necrophilia. Uh, uh, uh. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything Dude, that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping absolutely. up at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off.
So I think we can move on now to uh, Don't Go in the House, also known as Pyromaniac from 1979. In this house, 25 years ago, a child was given life. Donald, come here. He was raised in isolation. You're a bad boy. Instructed in fear. You're evil and you must be punished. Imprisoned by a tormented mind. Your father let you do things like that, but he's gone now. And baptized in flames. Now he has come of age. His suffering has ended, and ours is about to begin. You hear that, old lady? I'll punish you again! If you would be spared from the fury of his vengeance, (laughs) whatever you do, don't go in the house. Stairway by stairway, he draws you closer to madness. And soon, he'll share the terrifying secret behind this door in the Room of Steel. Don't make me do anything bad, Mother. Don't go in the house, because the people who live there aren't people anymore. Don't go in the house. But if you do, don't say we didn't warn you. Don't go in the house. Uh, directed by Joseph Ellison, written by Joseph Ellison, Ellen Hamill, and Joe Macefield, starring Dan Grimaldi as Donald Donnie Collar, Colin McInnes as the young Donald Collar, Charlie Bennett as Ben, Bill Ricci as Vito, uh, Robert Ost as Bobby Tuttle, Ruth Dardick as Miss Kohler, Ralph D. Bowman as Father Garrity, and Joe Pretzel. No, not Pretzel, Petzel, excuse me, <laughs> as Bobby Tuttle's son, although I'm pretty sure probably people called him Pretzel in school. Oh, uh, you know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is about, and this is the IMDb synopsis I, I, I gathered, a disturbed young man who was burned as a child by his sadistic mother stalks women with a flamethrower. That's a fairly apt description. I think they, they, they leave out the fact that he basically builds a a room in his house that mimics the uh, incinerator room at his job uh, I, in order to I do it. I want to say this before we get going on. This film, to me, is one of the... If you had to make this film, and I thought about this, and this is the one of the reasons why I mentioned this film to you. And I don't even know if you saw this film before I mentioned it to you. I'm not sure. I hadn't. This is one of the best, I say top five, dead person in the house films. You know, I how agree with you. Like a, I mean, this film touches on lots of bases, morality, um, sexuality, internal, like that introvert mentality. The basis of this film is, I think, is a beautifully film, film, uh, mm-hmm. film. I hate to say a filmed film, but what can you do? <laughs> beautifully um, shot film. There you go. Thank you. See, because he's professional and I'm not. I hate to say this, but the first time that you really get the release of adrenaline, watching the first victim get burnt alive, is almost orgasmic. (laughs) I will say that flat out on camera that's not recording me. Yeah. I almost found a state of euphoria in that. It is so well done. 
that's the thing. This this film is way more well done than like the subject matter kind of deserves almost. This uh, film is way more done than Eaten Alive ever wished it could be. Mm-hmm. This was the first for for the podcast. First time I watched it. When was the first time you saw this yourself? I saw this when I was about ten or twelve. Okay, right on. This is really well done. It has yes. a it has it has a reputation of being like I guess I guess it basically criticized along with films like Maniac as being like this like just totally awful misogynistic film that no one should watch and it's just totally over the top and it, it got on the video nasties list had had like three minutes cut out of it because of that but this is actually a lot deeper than a lot of these like really shitty films that don't mm-hmm. deserve recognition. It is very graphic. Like it is, it's yeah. very intense, very hardcore, but there's a lot more going on in this film than a lot of people give it fucking credit for. I love Maniac, but I saw this before Maniac and Maniac came out in, please. Um, if you I think it was the same year. It has the same ending as Maniac, but a better ending as Maniac because it, as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm sorry, fans. I really am not trying to be a dick. The ending of Maniac has a cartoony feel for me. I agree. The, the ending of this film has a fucking sick, demented, I'm killing myself with my own delusions feeling yeah. for me, which is much more moving and much more closing in my own mind and dealing with my own, my own problems. Kind of. Yeah, I'm, not saying I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm dealing with a bunch of problems here. You're, you're not, you're not saying that mouth. you're you're not saying that you have a specially built room in your house with metal sheets on the walls and you're no, I don't no, I can't afford metal. It's uh, only styrofoam. Oh, okay. Okay. Well that's yes. easily replaceable at least. Exactly. Uh, that's why I figure <laughs> one and done, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But at the same time, like like uh, Lee and I were joking around, I was playing with fire before this film has such a real and visceral feel. When it when it is trying to be serious, it doesn't fuck around with being serious. Yeah, no this this film is actually uh, takes the I, I mean it, it it's very exploitive, but at the same time it takes like mental illness into account a lot more seriously than a lot of films at the time did. This mm-hmm. film is very much about the main character's mental illness and the trauma that he suffered at the hands of his mother early on like this is kind of a kind of a modern day remake of psycho to a certain degree i mean it's kind of psycho with modern sensibilities to, yes. to a certain and don't degree. And, and don't be even fooled for a second this film knew exactly the Plainfield ghoul story mm-hmm. it knew the ed gein story it knew mm-hmm. why psycho was made the beautiful part about this film is you take that knowledge and instead of playing it safe, you push it forward a little bit so people are blatantly, obviously. Oh yeah, my from mom the, fucked me up. From the very start of the film, there, there's there's no shroud here on the plot of the film. You're instantly introduced to this guy who is fucked up, and you instantly basically find out that he's fucked up because his mother abused him as a child. Right. So it's, it's, it's basically like a character study of Norman Bates, essentially without, you know, trying to keep it in the dark for the viewer, you know, what's going on. So it's not subtle at all. No. And the beautiful thing is it's not the knife working away at the skin, opening those slow wounds. It's Mm -hmm. inferno. It's cleansing. It's purifying. It's 
It's bringing the druid hatred to light. You see this. And when it's done, the corpses are beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it had a $250,000 budget, and it uses it really well. I mean, the effects on this are really good. He's going around killing women. He sees his mother in these women, and he's trying to take revenge on his mother for abusing him for all these years. His mother finally dies. So it it has that Ed Gein angle right there where Ed Gein... Mm -hmm started killing people after his mother died. Um, Yes. So it's got that very much sort of same thing going on. And when he abducts women, uh, chains them up naked in this room that he specially built. And he... I'm 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 getting hard right now thinking about the first kill. (laughs) I got to stop doing that. Just... Just, just keep going. Just keep going. We'll work through this. Yeah, but but it, it it's very very effective because they only show one kill. Yeah, in, and in she she actually looks like my mom, which is kind of weird. But I'm going I'm getting fully around. Okay, right now. okay. Well, all there the you way go. up. The film gets this weird reputation as being like this super intense, uh, really violent, misogynistic film and shit. But they only show one kill. They only show him do this once, and then every other time it's it moves to scenes of him meeting his victims, and then it cuts to the aftermath of it the best part of that is of course if if you're in the business you probably i whatever would say yeah that's called no budget like and joke about it but But i think it's so well done because we don't need to see it again and again no we don't It, it establishes right off the bat what he's doing and then after that you don't need to see it anymore you need to go back to his character and see the struggles he's going through. That's what the actual right. fucking film is. It, the pain that I know most people don't get, but as an introvert, we do experience social anxiety that other people don't seem to get. And him in that nightclub, I would be as freaking the fuck out as he is. Exactly. And honestly, I think he held, I think he actually handled it better than I would. <laughs> well, I, I would kind of hope you wouldn't do something more extreme than, like, setting a woman's head on fire, but... I we'll, would have we'll... taken out my fucking Springfield XP <laughs> and just started fucking opening oh, fire. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it, that, I mean, like, look at all those tight pants. I don't know if I can handle that. Yeah, There's a but, lot of bulges in that room. Yeah, but but this film, it gets unfairly <laughs> criticized. It, it's not a film that hates women. It's a film that is talking about mental illness. And it's also criticizing religion as well. It's criticizing the sort of social structures in place that mm-hmm. allow for mental illness to <coughs> go as far as it goes. Because the priest character in this, when he comes to the priest for guidance... The priest is like, let's sweep this under the rug. You should forgive your mother for abusing you horribly and scarring you on the right, stove and right. shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, no. seriously? No, you go to the cops right the fuck away. Holy fuck, man. And But no, the priest wants to sweep it under the rug. Like, it, it's absolute fucking bullshit. And the movie is pretty smart. I, I, I think a lot of people kind of missed the uh, boat initially when they watched this movie. They just they just sort of latched on to the opening kill scene. Uh, it's not what the film's about. I mean, there is that no, sort of sens- not, sensationalism about it. I mean, it, it gives you those classic elements that some people want in slasher movies. I mean, I want those. I want to see the naked girl. Fuck yeah. She looks really good. 
And I want the horror yeah, she's of her got being booty just to make me happy. Yeah. Yeah, I, and I want the horror of her being killed as well. Like I, I do enjoy those elements. I'm not afraid to admit and they it. They but... do it. They do it in such a way that is so fucking high tech and classy. I mean, it, it's actually really well done. Like it's basically, it's no different than all the sort of serial killer movies in the 1990s that really got famous. I mean, it's, it's really no oh, different like, than that. Like, 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 like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, and beyond that, like Silence of the Lambs, Seven, Kiss the Girls. Yeah, movies like that. I mean, it's no different than that in a lot of ways. This is just a film that explores the serial killer instead of the cops trying to get the serial killer, basically. Right. And the thing is, did you notice, and this is the one film that you can say, there's no cops in the film. No, because he... There's no fucking cops in the whole film. Like, they, like, there's, like, well, I don't no know. One, yeah, a, no one suspects they, the guy, because he's, he's, like, like we said, he's an introvert. He, he's not a, he's not a guy anyone knows, outside of his, yeah. outside of his work. So, he brings his victims back home and i will say this some of the victims he gets back in his home there's no way that guy was going to get like some of those girls back in his house like it just wasn't going to happen but i will say she plays the most uh fucking hiccuping believable drunk girl ever oh yeah 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 the two the two the two girls he gets at the end there yeah who who actually gets saved but she needed to be home hours ago she should have had. She actually, she should have gotten an Oscar for that performance because she was really good. Yeah, very she, convincing. She was but... really fucking drunk. Like she's like, if you're not really actually drunk, you're amazing. You're Meryl Streep, amazing in yeah. this film. Totally agree. Totally agree. But yeah, yeah the film's really good. Like the performances are really good, solid across the board. It's it's really well shot. It, it is a low budget film, but it doesn't look cheap, uh, and it's no, very very no, effective. It's just very well written, very effective, and I, I think, think uh, I think you you've watched way more films than I have. I think, and the only thing I can say is lighting. Lighting could be a little bit better, a little bit, but I mean, they probably didn't have that's the money a, for it. I mean, but that's like literally, like the the cinematography does everything. It tells the story. I can watch this on mute and still get it. I mean, they even. <laughs> Early on, they even butch it. They even bust out a fucking Dutch tilt angle when when he when he when he first comes home and he opens the door there and it shows he him coming the into door, the house. Yeah. It's, it's tilted yeah. when it, before he goes into the making tea thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, honestly, uh, going back to watching uh, watching, and this is the one of the things that I've always always looked at when I watch film stores. It walks mm-hmm. by the the grocery store when the right. when the mom is being brutal to the children. You yeah. when I tell you, you son of a bitch, you do this and do this, because it's all about um, bad parents, parents, yep. parents not being pieces of shit to their kids too. Yep, yeah, it's and very that's much the about main, that. The main film about hey, don't abuse your children because if you abuse them, become they become monsters. You know, yep. it's not about it, their genes because back in the day, it was all genes. The funny thing is. Back in the 50s and 60s, genes made monsters, right? But back in the 50s and 60s, Lee knows more than I do because I'm way more – he's way more intelligent than I am. They didn't know fucking about genes. They didn't know about this shit. They heard they, – yeah, there's genes. Well, that must make monsters. Well, well yeah. The, know that the, shit. The, well, the attitude was he was born bad. He was born bad. Well, they didn't know anything about that shit. And I mean, you know, there is like, – there, there technically 
is a little bit to that. Like some people are genetically well, predisposed. Well, I mean, look at Australians. Yes. Well, well, I mean, people. Yeah, Australians. Of course, they're all criminals. But, <laughs> but the, no, there's some people who are genetically uh, predisposed to becoming sociopaths. I mean, actually, uh, we talked about it on our uh, best of 2016 show. One of the films I watched called "I Am Not a Serial Killer" is about a guy, about a young man who has all the signs of being a serial killer and a sociopath. And he, they're, yes. they're trying to, they're trying to work their way to make him not be that when he grows up to be an adult. So, so there is a little bit to that, but yeah, mostly what this is about the, the trauma of abusive parenting, turning a child into a monster. And I mean, right. that's what psycho is about. Right. I'm pretty sure I am a sociopath, but I'm trying to be not one. I have to say that. There's a lot of people Lee, who are on. Well, a, Lee tries tries to make me into one so I can join his army. Yeah, well, that, don't don't talk about that on air. Well, yeah, but you said all the sub countries are worthless anyway. So I didn't I didn't say that at least not publicly yet. Not not <laughs> not until not until I get power. Not until I get power. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah. But no, yeah, this this film is actually smart, and there's actually a lot of yes. good stuff going on in it, and I was pleasantly surprised when I watched it, because... I am so happy Lee is happy, because yeah. when Lee is happy, I am happy. I mean, honestly, I'm just going to, like, kind of grandfather this over to my 2017 first-time watches, basically, so... Because I just kind of half-watched it in 2016 and didn't get a chance to finish it, so... I'm actually putting this on my short list for uh, best uh, best movies I watched this year so far. So oh, that's good. Uh, I will say, um, okay, don't go into the house. I have the VHS. I started watching it on the VHS. The VHS is pretty much done. I can still see it, but there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets it's a slow watch if you watch it the first time. If you watch it the first time, it's okay. The second time, it's good. This is my perspective. If new time watchers watch this film that are horror horror fans. You will watch this film kind of like um, The Dorm That Drip Blood, for example. Right. You go, holy fuck, I have to watch this right now immediately. Because it, you, you're you just surprised by how good it is. Mm-hmm. And then after that, though, like, you know, it starts getting slower and slower and slower and slower. You start skipping things and watching the good parts. We're not judging these films, excuse me, based on a... Um, watch 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 basis we're watching we're i'm judging these films off the first time i watched it or the theater t- the theater screening you know that kind of thing right. and the first time i watched this film i was shocked how fucking good it was yeah but i mean honestly i'm thinking about it now and like i'm gonna watch it again there's nothing that was slow for me in this i enjoyed every i even enjoyed him fucking picking in his fucking disco elf outfit i like that scene yeah, like, I love it. Like, because it, it, yeah, it's just should so. I wear? What should I wear? What should I wear? It's just so awkward and weird, and and it's kind of funny too because it's kind of a callback because at the very beginning there, where his coworker starts burning and he just sits there and watches them and whatever, and then they no, come he's up. The, quite... he's, the, he's the fatic. He's the fatic. He's the fag. Yeah, like he he's like really no, mentally you, disturbed. You have to say fatic. You have to say fatic, or or Daniel will get upset. <laughs> no, no, he's, no. He he's won't. he's the fatic. Fatic, yeah. No, but I mean, it's just a you know that kind of it's it's very believable for its time. Like the the sort of dialogue that would that was what would be said, and he's a very kind of emotionally socially stunted guy. And you know he, so he's he's gay. Pro- yeah, he's probably never met 
homosexual in his life, so he would be adverse to all that. He he would say, "I'm not a fucking fag." Fuck you. And that's I love the one guy that in this film that everybody loves that gets no publicity is the buddy. Everyone loves his buddy. Although Don't he's kind of an buddy. Although he's kind of an asshole too, because he's he's cheating on his wife. He's like, "Hey, let's go! Yeah, I got well, I got yeah, two I got two women lined up." Literally, that wives deserve to be cheated on, so it's okay. Oh, okay. And the other thing is, but he's his buddy. Come on, like cliche. I I, I consider this film making that cliche that okay. every film, every horror film has this buddy. Like, are you okay? You doing good? This and that. Oh, I didn't know he was chopping up chicks. This film yeah. was the first film that I really had this cliche vibe. I'm like, oh my god. He seems like he's a cool guy. Like he shouldn't have problem having any problem having actual friends, but yeah. he tries too hard. To make this guy his friend, where it, it gets to the point where it's like, this guy has no friends at all in his real life. Yeah. <laughs> but if you look at it the year later, the absolute year later, My Bloody Valentine came out, they did the same thing. Oh, that's right. The guy had a buddy. The guy had a fucking buddy. That's right. That's right. This fucking film started that buddy shit. <laughs> so, fuck you. I just pointed that out. Go to sleep. There you go. You're an expert. No, no, I'll never say that. Don't ever tell me that. <laughs> I, um, I'm glad that you uh, turned me on to this film because it, I really fucking enjoyed it. I really did. If I ever find a cheap copy of it on VHS, I'll send it to you. Well, uh, that would be something I'd have to put on my mantelpiece because I couldn't play it. I don't have a VCR anymore. But <laughs> You capitalist. Player. I know. I know. I'm a fucking traitor. I'm a traitor to the I race. have beta, laserdisc, VHS, fucking yeah. Yeah, I can play I Sanskrit at my house. A Sanskrit at your house? Yeah. <laughs> do Do you have this a fuck? Lie. Do you have old? Fa- <laughs> do you have old uh, like wax cylinders uh, on the old uh, gramophone? Actually, my friend has. Yes. Yeah. Sweet. Yes, Sweet. he does. He has the old wax players. The sand. Yeah. Pennsylvania is full of sad, sad people. Yeah. I, I'd like to hear some of those. Uh, those I was going to say, you soldiers. would fit in beautifully here. Like, oh, yeah. Sad, yeah. sad man. <laughs> but I, well, I, again, actually, fuck, I said it uh, for, for midnight, and I'll say it again. I thank you for joining, joining me. And I, th- I, I actually thank you for in, entertaining my idea of um, don't go into the house. Oh, no. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I wanted to do it. It was just, you know circumstances came up that sort of prevented us until now. I will say also the uh, the music for this one's done by uh, Richard uh, Einhorn who did Shockwaves as well. Oh yes, he does. Yep. So it's got that electronic score and uh, DVD info Shriek Show did a 2005 release, Region 1 and Arrow Films again came up in 2012 with their uh, release for the UK. So if you're in the UK, you can get it for... I don't think it's a Region 0. I think it's just a Region 3 or whatever the fuck region they are. But um, Or Region 2, they would be, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, to the two of them, I would... Uh, personally, I, I would recommend Don't Go in the House. That would be the one to check out. There's a lot of cool stuff going on. And I'd say Midnight's worth checking out as well. But I'm not as big on it as uh, you are. But, uh, you know, it's just personal difference there. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get. It. I would check out both, but uh, for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, totally understandable. The number one film that I would say uh, for the first time home buyer is uh, please check out Deranged. Der- yeah, Deranged is really good. 
And if you don't watch Psycho, obviously you're all gonna watch Psycho. Yeah. Watch Psycho, then watch Deranged, then watch Not a Living Dead, then watch Texas Chainsaw, then watch Eaten Alive, then watch Midnight. <laughs> but basically, the one film, the, the two films I could say before any of this happens is please watch Psycho because it'll do yourself a service. And uh, to really get in the in the mind's eye of Ed Gein, watch Derange. It is still, to this day, the absolute fucking best portrayal of him on film that is not trying to be a documentary. Yeah, I agree. That's actually a really good film. And honestly, Don't Go in the House has the same through line. I mean, it, it's got the abusive mother who is kept as a body in the house. And, and that's why I say Midnight, too, because it, it is the mother that, that yeah. turns the children. Yep. And they're trying to bring her back to life through satanic rituals by pouring blood in her corpse. <laughs> Which is the same concept of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, to because they, they 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 make they make grandfather drink the blood of of Sally. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, actually, the first one I think Grandma is still alive. I think she moves. Grandma is point. dead as fuck, and she... Grandpa is the only one that moves. Okay, I, I because I, Grandpa I'm... is played by eighteen year old, just like Night of the Living Dead was played by eighteen year old Bill Hyde. Right. Okay, do you have do you want me to school you at all anymore? Because this is getting embarrassing. <laughs> No, I knew I knew he was played by an eighteen-year-old in heavy makeup. No, uh, Grandma was dead as fuck. Okay, so I remembered something wrong there, but uh, but they okay. they were they, they were surprised that Grandma was dead because she must have been alive at some point because they no, were talking. She was dead as fuck. If you watch the film, she well, bef- well before the film started, she was alive at some point before the just just before oh, the I mean, film it, started. It might be a rewrite or something like that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but uh, hey, whatever. Uh, Paul, anyway, tell- I'm just really. I actually really enjoyed doing this. I really enjoyed doing Midnight. I really enjoyed doing uh, uh, Don't Go in the House. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, the the Don't Go in films. It doesn't stop there, man. Don't go into the woods is awesome. Don't go in the basement is cheap as fuck, but definitely worth a watch because it's a really good film. We should do that one. Yes, if you if you ever watch Don't Go in the Basement. Just hang on in there because, dude, it is so shittily made that you're going to be like, why am I watching this? But it's a good film, man. It is a really good film. And if Don't Go in the Basement – sorry, Lee. But don't if Don't Go in the Basement wasn't made the way it's made, neither, uh, Friday the fucking 13th Part 5 probably wouldn't ever be made. <laughs> I haven't seen that one, so I'll have to – Yes. Have to jump on don't that. go in don't go in the basement and I have a link personally anyway to Friday the thirteenth part five. Really? So check it out. Check it out because you'll see the link at the end. This has been Paul from PA Beer News on They Must Meet to Destroy On Site, a horror movie podcast. Or yeah. a movie podcast if you're a pussy. Tell people where they can find you. Well you can see me at paulromaley.com. Or PA Brew News on YouTube. Right on. And uh, also uh, your your heavy metal channel. Oh, Funeral Dust 666 on YouTube if you want some really shitty made metal. Exactly. And uh, I hope yeah. everyone enjoyed listening to us. We're obviously pretty liquored up at this point. But uh, but at the same time, this is the shit that I really do love talking about. Yeah. 
you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com. You can find our iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube links there. Join our Facebook group. Talk to us on Facebook, TMBDOS. They must be destroyed on site on Facebook. That's the best place to get in touch with us and leave all your comments, questions, insults, um, salutations, and reverence for our greatness. You can do all that there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And until then, uh, I'm glad we finally did this, Paul. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for I'll joining I'll tell you me. what. This is probably one of the most fun casts I've had on here. Absolutely. Right on. I just really like it. Right on. And uh, we'll see you all again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. Thank you for listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For past episodes, links to the host's other stuff, and links to various podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. There you can also find our iTunes, YouTube, and Facebook links. 
please join our Facebook group, as this is the best way to get in contact with us and to keep up to date with what's coming up on the podcast. We also can be found as part of the Oi Spaceman family of podcasts at oispaceman.com, where you can find various sci-fi-themed podcasts about Doctor Who, Red Dwarf, Firefly, and classic sci-fi novels. If you decide to subscribe to us through iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a star rating and a review. Thank you. Drive through. <laughs>